Don't you know God loves it when we just worship him? I enjoy worship. We just, we just got, uh, and worship isn't just the band playing. It's not just a preacher preaching. It's like what we do Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, the whole thing. We are people who worship God Amen. with our life, our lifestyle, the thing that we do. I want to talk to you this morning. It's an it's a interesting uh, title. Uh, uh, the title of my message is The Pouting Prophet. You know, it's interesting, people's perspective of the preacher. And a, and a lot of, it's, it's, I don't know. I mean, I think th these days and age, this day and age, where you get all the information on all the preachers on the internet, and you know everybody that did something stupid or did something. I mean, there's just a lot of stuff out there. People aren't that surprised anymore if the preacher messes up. Because a lot of them do, right? <laughs> the preacher doesn't have it all figured out. And if you come to church and you think that, uh, that your pastor is perfect, you're like, you're like wow, <laughs> thank you, but it's not true. <laughs> we all got problems, right? <clears throat> Darla, uh, Pastor Darla, my wife, she went on a missions trip with uh, uh, Lisa, thank you to uh, Curacao, where Pastor Priscilla, the one that used to be our care pastor, where she's a missionary now, and they're doing, uh, it's, a, it's a place where there's a lot of sex trafficking and a lot of problems, but she's doing a sexual abuse Bible study in Curacao, her and Lisa, so keep them in your prayer. So it's pretty cool, a lot of good things, yeah. We're, Donna and I both, we're just missionaries at heart. We love, love to get out and, and uh, compel them to come in. I'm not a very good office man. Everybody at the office will tell you that. But I like to, I like to go, go get them. There, there, no place in the Bible did it say to build a church and expect them to show up. It's not in there. He said, go out in the highways and byways and Kroger's and Starbucks. And, no, well, he didn't say that, but, you know, bring them in. I get more done when I'm out there than I do in the office. If you have your Bible, turn it to Jonah chapter 4. Jonah. We always talk about Jonah and the whale. This, it was, you know, it's your favorite Bible story in the, when you're a little kid. But in the Bible, it doesn't say it's a whale. It says it's a big fish. We just assumed that it's a whale because whales got to come up for air. And if you got a, if you got a body inside of you, he needs air too. God gets a hold of Jonah. Jonah's an Israelite. He says, I want you to go to Nineveh. I want you to preach the gospel. There's a lot of people there. And if Nineveh doesn't repent, I'm going to bring judgment on Nineveh. And uh, I've chosen you to bring my message to Nineveh. You know, one of the greatest privileges that we as born-again believers will ever have, the greatest privilege that we will ever have is that that God speaks to our heart to take his message somewhere. Amen. That he trusts us to take a message to somebody. And I would just say this, there's always somebody out there that needs what you have. Somebody out there that needs who you have. And so this is very relevant to us today. You say, go to Nineveh, preach to them people. 
Now, the Nineveh was Israel's enemy. Uh, Jonah, he didn't like them. In fact, I mean, the text kind of infers that he like detests them. It's like, no, Nineveh, you gotta be kidding, Lord. I don't know if you ever said that to God. You gotta be kidding. <laughs> Give what? Do what? <laughs> I like the way you're looking at me. It's like. <laughs> so he says, excuse me if I, if I cough too much, but I'm still getting over it. So Jonah decides he's going to run from God, and he, he goes down to Joppa. Everybody say down. Yeah. Went down to Joppa. So he gets on a boat, and he goes down <laughs> in a boat. Down. And then they, uh, everybody on the boat is like, we got a problem. Jonah, Jonah's down there sleeping. Get up here. We got to cast. Somebody's messed up here. We don't know who it is. We're going to cast lots. And Jonah's like, oh, that was me. So, and this storm gets real bad. So they're like, well, you got to go. Throw him overboard. Because they realized that God was doing something there. Did you know sometimes ungodly people know more about what God's doing than sometimes godly people. <laughs> you don't hear that in church much. He goes down, the big fish swallows him up, goes down into the water, down into the well. I mean, when you start going down, you start, it kind of gets a little bit of momentum. And how many knows when you start going down, you, you, can, you can get a lot of momentum going, going down. It's a lot easier to go down than it is to come up. It's a lot easier to get caught up in going down. Any dead fish could go downstream. But it takes a live fish to go against the current. And if you're going to be alive in this world, you're going to have to go against the current of the world. And if you're not willing to do that, it's just another dead fish. Jonah went down, and then, then God, oh, you know what he did when he was in the belly of the whale, right? You know that? You remember? What did he do? Somebody say it. He prayed. What do we do when we go down so far we can't get up? We pray. Isn't it funny how we pray more when we're down than we do when we're... God told me one time, he said, if you will... Seek me in the bad times, or seek me in the good times like you do in the bad times, you won't have near as many bad times. <laughs> Somebody needs to hear that. So if, if, if everything's cool with you, seek God in the good times, and you won't have near as many bad times. The church said, that's the truth. So after he prayed, he came up. He got thrown up. By the well, on dry land. He's got seaweed all over him. He's got, got whale mucus on him. And he's got like uh, acid indigestion. I hope that, you know, it's like I, that, that whale probably didn't feel good. And these little maylocks. And <coughs> it just wasn't a pleasant experience. Three days he's in the belly of that whale. Some people are stubborn. But God is patient, even though you're stubborn. You with me? He's going to wait on you. He's going to leave you in the belly well until you start getting it right. So Joe, Jonah, he repents, throws up on the, on the 
And Jonah's like, well, I'll go. There's 120,000 people in India, in, 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 uh, in Nineveh. 120,000 people, when Jonah went and preached to him, 120,000 people repented. How'd you like to have a little church service like that? What preacher wouldn't like that? 120,000. Put that in the newspaper. But you know what it did to Jonah? It made him mad. Because he still didn't like him. Even though he preached, I'm talking about the pouting prophet this morning. He didn't like him. <laughs> he was like, can't, man, can't believe this. I can't believe this worked. I didn't want it to work. <laughs> so what he does, he goes up on the side of the city and, and uh, he sits down and God brings a, uh, he, you know, in the desert, it can get real hot. And, and shade is a premium in the desert. If you get some shade on you, I mean, like it's like heaven, baby. So God grows his plant up and it gives Jonah shade and, uh, for a day. And then God sent, prepared a worm to eat the plant. Jonah got mad about that. We have a term, as cowboys do, we have a term called sacking the horse out, sacking him out. Anybody know what I'm talking about? What that is is like you, you, you uh, I forget what they call it, you, you desensitize him. It's like you, you keep putting that blanket on him, saddle blanket, you put it on him. First of all, he's all like this, he's all nervous, everything. and then you just keep it doing it more and more and more. Pretty soon he's like, okay, whatever. So I think what he was doing is sacking Jonah out. He is sacking him out. You know why he was sacking him out? Because he needed it. Jonah needed to be tuned on. Because he had a bad attitude. He was a pouting man. You know the kind of people we like to be around? We don't like to be around pouting people. We want happy, joyful people. You know, it's the kind of people you want to ask over for dinner. You don't want to ask some grumpy old pouting person over for dinner. You don't want that. You don't ever win anybody to the Lord by making them mad. <laughs> Jonah's angry that God showed mercy to Nineveh. I can't believe you actually did what you said you was going to do. So instead of talking about it, I want to read it to you in Jonah chapter 4. Verse 6, it says this, And the Lord God prepared a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shade for his head to deliver him from his misery. <laughs> so Jonah was very grateful. Why was Jonah grateful? You get a hold of this, y'all. This is big stuff for America today and Americans today. The reason that Jonah was grateful for the plant, get a hold of this, is because Jonah got what Jonah wanted. I don't know if y'all smelling what I'm stepping in here. <laughs> when we get what we want, we're good. But listen to me, we're not always good when God gets what he wants. We're not always good because it says this, it says that our ways aren't his ways. Neither is his ways our ways, but his ways are higher than our ways. 
And that's a little hard for arrogant people to buy into. It's hard for pouting people. It's hard for angry people. It's hard for you. So Jonah was grateful for the plant, but as morning dawned the next day, God prepared. God prepared. Everybody say, God prepared. This was a God thing. God prepared a worm, and it so damaged the plant that it withered. It doesn't say the devil did it. Sometimes we need discernment to figure out what God's doing and what the devil's doing. Sometimes we blame God for what the devil's doing, and sometimes we play, blame the devil for what God's doing. It's because we don't have, that one of the gifts of the Spirit is the gift of discernment. And I'm telling you, that's one of the greatest gifts you can pray for is to be able to discern when people talk to you. Is this of God? When there's a word spoken to you, is this of God? When something happens in your life, is this happening because God is bringing discipline to me or is this happening because it's an attack from the enemy? We need discernment. God prepared a worm and it damaged the plant and withered. It happened when the sun came up <laughs> right on time. Then God prepared a vehement east wind. He not only took the plant out, but God prepared an east wind. Probably pretty hard. And the sun beat down on Jonah's head. So he grew faint. Then he wished death for himself. He said, it's better for me that I die than to live. Nobody likes me. Everybody hates me. I'm going to eat the worm that ate the tree. <laughs> so get this. This next verse is important. In fact, I think you'll see it up on the screen. Then God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? Is it right for you? Why did he say that? Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? Stay right there. But the Lord said, you have had pity on the plant for which you have not labored nor made it grow, which came up in the night and perished in the night, and should I not pity Nineveh, the great city in which are more than 120,000 persons, but when God, 120,000 persons that cannot discern between their right hand and their left and much livestock, they don't even know what they've been blessed with. And Jonah, you are my prophet and you don't even get it. You are my called person. You're the one that I have appointed for this purpose, and I have brought my trust to you, and there's not a lot of difference between the Ninevites, Jonah, and you. First of all, I want you to notice this, that not everything happens has been appointed by God, but many things that we may not understand happens because it was appointed by the Lord. We've seen that through this book, God appointed the storm. 
He brought the storm on the lake. He appointed the storm. God appointed the fish. He appointed the plant. He appointed the word. God appointed the scorching heat and the wind. You think God might be trying to tell us that God is sovereign and in control? We in America today, we have been taught that only the things that we think are good are the things that God brings to us. The problem is, is that our definition of good is not the same as God's definition of good. The things that he thinks are good for us aren't the things that we think are good for us. Therefore, we get angry at God because he hasn't done what we want him to do the way he wants us to do it. I'm not going back to that church because God's there. And I'm mad. You see, it's better to work with the one who is sovereign and in control than trying to go against him. It's better to go along with God. I mean, that's why we come to church, right? So we can figure all this stuff out. It's important. So Jonah had been appointed, the appointed agent of God to bring mercy <coughs> and grace to the people of Nineveh. Then God shows Jonah mercy and grace. God brings mercy to Nineveh and grace. God brings mercy to Jonah and grace for Jonah. Again, because Jonah didn't deserve the plant for shade or anything. Nineveh needed Jonah. And there's somebody out there in your life that needs you. There's somebody that, that God has called you to. But it may not be comfortable. It may not be what you want. It might even be your enemy. It might be somebody that you really don't like at all. And you might say, no. So this is not something, this is not a story that we don't really need. We need this. But when God, but then God removes the plant and Jonah's angry. In fact, he, our text tells us that he was angry enough to die. So what's the point? It comes here in God's response to Jonah. God is pointing out to Jonah that instead of being bitter and angry, he should instead rejoice over the non-destruction of the city of Nineveh. He should be happy and he's mad. You see, this plant that God created to shade Jonah was an act of grace. It was God doing something for an undeserving man. God doing something for an undeserving man. Has God ever done something for you when you didn't deserve it? I would point this out, that everything good in your life has come from God. Everything. God gave an act of grace toward Jonah. Years ago, most everybody here knows that, that uh, Pastor Darla, my wife, she, uh, in her younger years, she was sexually abused a lot. It was horrendous. And she came 
and found Christ as her personal savior and God has healed her of that abuse. And part of that healing was confronting one of the persons that abused her. And you talk about tough. I, I just take my hat off to this deal because I'm like, Whew. so we're in another state and this, this guy lives in this same town that we're in. We're, in there, uh, we're up there for a, for a meeting and Darla says, I want to call that guy and I want to ask him to come meet with me in the lobby here at the hotel. I'm like, really? All right, well, so she calls him up and he agrees to come over there. And uh, I'm like, Darla, I should go with you. And she's like, no, I'm going, I'm going to go, I'm going to go do this. I need to do it. And what she told him was, she said, I want you to know that I remember, because she was a very, very young, young girl. She says, I remember everything that you've, you did to me as a young girl, but I, the reason that I called you over here is because I want you to know that I forgive you. And I want you to know that I've invited Christ into my life. And that uh, I'm not gonna hold this against you in my heart. And I want for you what God gave to me. Pretty tough stuff. Just the opposite of what Jonah would do. So later on, she wrote a sexual abuse Bible study called Caught in the Act of Grace. That God caught her in the act of grace. And this, this, this book is, trust, believe it or not, it's on Amazon and, and it just keeps selling and selling and selling because there's so much of this abuse in America and all over and it's been translated into uh, other languages. Uh, I don't even know, one in Spanish, but another one like in Czechoslovakia or something. And now she's down in Curacao teaching this Bible study. And we have a ministry here through the care department. She doesn't run it here, but it's through the care department. But her gift to the person that abused her was forgiveness. And God's gift to her was that he gave her grace to be able to give him grace. Was it easy? No. Was it necessary? Yes. Was it challenging? Of course. But I'm gonna tell you something. A lot of men and women actually have found healing because Darla spoke up and she was transparent with how God healed her. In my world, we used to sweep our problems under the rug. Anybody with me? You grew up in church, don't talk about the things in church that nobody wants you to talk about. And uh, at some point in time, I learned from her how to be transparent. And sometimes that makes me uncomfortable. Sometimes it makes you uncomfortable, but we really need it, don't we? We, we got to get real. Church has got to get real. We got a real world out there that needs real help. And we got to get real. Thank you. <laughs> Jonah, 
He didn't quite get the picture. So understand here, there's a distinction. This is part of what we don't understand, that there's a a distinction between saving grace and what saving grace is, is the grace that God gives to those who are saved. He brings grace to you when you repent and invite Christ to come into your heart. It's a saving grace. And there's another type of grace called common grace that is a grace that is common to everyone. Case in point, there's a scripture that says God causes it to rain on the just and the unjust alike. In other words, the reason sinners get saved is because of God's grace. The reason sinners aren't destroyed the minute they sin. By the way, <laughs> when we sin, we deserve getting punished. And the reason they have the opportunity to go on living and possibly get saved sometimes later is because of common grace. God gives common grace to people out there that don't know him. And what is difficult to understand is that God would be perfectly within his rights and he would be perfectly just if he just wiped us out the second we sinned at that very time. And we don't get that because we, we don't maybe know God like we should. But because of Jesus, he gives us grace because of the truth, we know the truth of the word of God and we get the grace with it. Even if it was so-called, even if we had a little white lie, uh, he is gracious to us over and over and over again. So all good that we have in our life comes from God. If you, if you have a job, that's from God. If you, if, you've got, if you get God's grace, that's from God. If you've eaten today, that's God's grace. Or if you go eat Cajun food in, in a minute, that's still God's grace. Uh, everyone take a deep breath. That's God's air. God's grace to give you air, to keep you alive. So the plant here can represent any sort of grace or gift that God's given to you. He brought this plant for Jonah and God gave it. Let's be, off, let's be honest, how often do we forget that all of God's gifts are given to us even though we are totally undeserving of them? So God causes this plant to spring up and he gives shade to Jonah and our text tells us that Jonah was glad. He was happy with the gift, but the contrast is, is that he was happy with God's grace. He was unhappy with God's grace toward the Ninevites but he was glad when God showed him grace. There's a dichotomy here. It's like, I'm happy when I get what I want, but I'm not happy when the Ninevites get what they want. If I'm a Republican, I'm glad when the Republicans get what they want, but I'm mad when the Democrats get what they want. Oh, come on, don't go there. You all know what I'm talking about. There's, there's enemies that we conjure up in our hearts and in our minds that we have got to back away from and give grace to people who don't understand the love of God and the grace of God. If you have experienced grace, your enemy needs to experience grace too. I doubt. Thank you, thank you. That's, a, that's God's heart. And we, when we clap about it, that's, we're clapping about God's heart. So here it is, kind of when the rubber meets the road, what we're talking about is, is when the jerk at work, anybody got some, <laughs> the jerk at work, 
when he gets a promotion and you don't. Oh, now he just say, when God showed him a bit of grace and got the promotion. So do you get angry or do you celebrate when God shows undeserving grace to a sinner? Or the guy you know who seems to have it all, you know, the guy with the big house, the nice vehicles, money's never a problem for me. The Bible tells us not to be envious of them or to be angry with God because he blessed them. Instead, we should look at, look at it as an opportunity to praise God for his grace toward them. If we love them like God loves them, we're gonna give grace toward them the way God gave grace to us. He sowed the seed of grace in us. And who are we to keep grace from somebody else? That's good preaching. Somewhere along the line, Jonah figured out that somehow he had merited God's favor and God's blessing and God's calling and God's grace. He had forgotten somewhere along the way that God's grace is undeserved and that we are totally dependent on God for that grace. One of the things, a gift that you can give to yourself is to realize that any grace that has been given to you is undeserved. Any grace that has been given to me is undeserved. And when we really get a hold of that and we really understand that, when grace comes to us, we really appreciate it. If we don't appreciate it, we think that we deserve it. <coughs> the grace of God comes to us without any labor on our part. God's favor comes to us. You see, we as Christians have to remember that we're not, that we're still in the land of exile. In other words, that this world is not our home. When, when we become so comfortable where we're at that we don't look to heaven or we don't look to the place that really is our homeland, when we understand that, that our life is like a vapor, that we're here for such a short time, we don't live like this is our home. We are exiled to this world, but this world is not our home. That old song said, we're just passing through, that our treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue, and the angels welcome me to heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh, Lord, you know I have no friend. I could sing it if I wasn't so hoarse. Heaven's not my home. Oh, Lord, what would I do? Hmm. So all the bad things happened to him. And I think we need to be a little bit more like Job than like Jonah. Here's what Job said. Job said, shall we receive good at the hand of God and shall we not receive evil? It's like we're all good when the good comes, but when the bad things come to us, what are we going to do about that? So in other words, I just want to make this real clear. We understand God's speaking to Jonah. Like in our language, it might have went something like this. Jonah, I caused a fish to swallow you and then caused it to puke you up on dry land. And I sent you to Nineveh to preach to 120,000 people and they all got saved and the only thing you care about is this stupid plant. 
What are you thinking? Jonah. <laughs> Remember, Jonah causes us to look at things from God's eternal perspective. We really need that really bad, don't we? To see things from God's perspective. God provides us with the things. We get so enamored by the things, the things that he's provided and we start caring more about the things than about the eternal souls of people. Oh, come on now. Y'all hear me now. If the things that God has blessed with you has replaced your passion for other people and, and winning other people into the kingdom of God and giving grace and the love, your things have gotten out of control. Jonah was all about the thing. And God rebuked him because his thing had got in the way of his worship. His thing had taken the place of God. The thing was more important than people. And Jonah was out of line. So we start caring more about the things and he provides than the one who really provided it. We can be just like Jonah. We care, about, we care more about our little shaded spot than we care about the community around us. We care more about our, our, our home and we just get secluded in our home and we don't ever branch out. We need to get out and compel people to come in. So here's the deal. Jonah got upset because the thing that, got, that gave him comfort and made him happy were the things that God gave him and not God himself. He was more impressed with the things that God gave him than he was with the one who gave him the things. Am I preaching to anybody yet? So God just took it away to show Jonah where his affections were and the result of it all is that Jonah gets mad about it. I couldn't believe that. And I'll just tell you, I think Jonah is angry because he's finally taking a good look at himself for the first time. You wonder, one of the greatest gifts that God can give you is to let you see you for who you are. To let God see me. And, 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 and sometimes when we see ourselves, uh, it's challenging. You see, God has shown him that he's selfish, self-centered, arrogant, and that he's still an idolater who worships and adores himself more than he worships and adores God. Jonah's mad because God doesn't smoke them all out in Nineveh. And he's mad because his plant died. Now he's got to sit in the sun and God rebukes him and he gets the last word in. And that's where the book ends. It's interesting. I'm going to close this down, Jonah, God used Jonah not because he couldn't find a better prophet. Y'all come on with me. Did you know that God uses ordinary people, that he doesn't call the qualified, but he qualifies the called? That God's plans are God's plans. And when God has a plan, it always includes people. The solution to everything that God does, he uses people. God wanted to use Jonah for a purpose. God wants to use you for a purpose. 
You aren't here just to breathe God's air and to get to heaven. You're here to spread his word and let people know that they are his greatest treasure. Because if we don't tell them, nobody's going to. He used Jonah. This is what's cool. He used Jonah because as God converts the sailors on the ship, the sailors got the message who God was. And as God converts the people in Nineveh, he's working on Jonah as well. He got a plan for Jonah too. And it concludes with God taking Jonah on a journey through his self-righteousness. And through his rebellion. And through his anger. And through his nationalism. I'm an Israelite. Nobody no, it's Syrian. No, they don't, they don't deserve this. Sometimes our nationalism as Americans, we can become pretty arrogant about America. And we're just better than them people south of us. It's not true. God values everybody the same. But he does want law and order. There's nothing wrong with that. nationalism, and he also confronts him about racism. I, I, it's sad that racism is still prevalent in the church in some, some areas. Some people look down on color or creed or where they originated. This should never be in the church. We should love people the way that God loves people. Red, yellow, black, and white, they're all precious in his sight. God loves everybody the same. God loves everybody just as much as he loves you, and we should never, never, never be critical, criticized for being racist in the church. And he did all this for the purpose of making Jonah the man of God that he was meant to be. And so the big question here, this is a question I have. I'm like, have you ever watched those movies that, like, they leave you hanging? And it just makes me so mad because there's no good end to it. It's just like, well, what happened? How come you just stopped there? That ain't right. It's kind of what happened with Jonah. If you read the book of Jonah, it's just kind of like, oh, there it is. And you're like, what happened to Jonah? So I was wondering about that. So I got a question for you. Who do you think wrote the book of Jonah? Anybody? Say it out loud. Jonah. <coughs> Excuse me. What does that tell you? What does it tell you that Jonah wrote Jonah? Because there's some bad stuff in there about Jonah. I mean, he was like, and it wound up in the Bible. So there's a message to us of what happened to Jonah. But why would Jonah be so transparent about how stupid he was? Now, come on with me. Why would he be so transparent about everything that happened in his life? 
if he hadn't gotten his heart right. I think at some point in time, Jonah realized that the things that he thought were important weren't that important and the things that really were important that he needed to value the same things that God valued. And so he writes the book of Jonah and he's pretty critical of himself. You know why? Because at some point in time, Jonah realized, I believe this, it's not in there, but I believe at some point in time, Jonah realized that it wasn't about Jonah at all. It was all about God. It was about God's love. It was about God's mercy. It was about God's grace. So what's my, what's my deal? I go to counseling every once in a while, and, and uh, you, you might say, well, preacher, how come you go to counseling? Well, the reason is because I need it. I need counseling. And uh, I, I mean, I've been roping all my life. I take roping lessons, too. I don't ever want to get to where I think I've got it all figured out and that I know it all. I need other perspectives in my life, and I, know, I need to know if there's issues that, that I have in my life so I can keep my heart right. Because I'm going to tell you something, no offense, but the most important thing to me is getting to heaven. I want to I keep my heart right. So I, I get help. Who doesn't need help? So my counselor, I talked to him past, last week, and, and I told him, I kind of confessed to him, and I'll tell you all what I told him. I said, uh, sometimes when I'm tired or I've been sick, and I said, sometimes I'm short with people, and sometimes I'm just kind of, because uh, 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 I, I know the answer to the problem, and I just tell them how it is, and I don't, I don't beat around the bush. You know what he said to me? I'm just confessing to y'all. You know what he said to me? He said, Randy, it sounds to me like you have a problem with grace. Man, you talk about striking me right between the eyes. Man, I got convicted. Started crying. Ha. Ah grace that God's given me, I'm not giving it like I need to. So I want to leave you with this. I don't know if I told you. Did I tell you earlier in the service, I'm going to go pray in Austin tomorrow. Did I tell you that? I'm going to go pray at the inauguration of Governor Abbott, Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick. They're being inaugurated in Austin and and they invited me to come pray at that ceremony. So it's pretty cool. The thing that's in our world today and in Texas, there's a lot of evil and there's a lot of good. One of the things that I think is the solution to evangelism, what I mean by the, what will draw people into the church and into the kingdom of God is a well-balance of truth and grace. You can't have grace 
without the truth, and you can't have truth without grace. Because I know the answers, because I'm an old guy. I know a lot of answers, a lot of problems, because I've been through a lot of things. If I just give the truth and there's no grace with it, it's not effective. It's not God's way. Or if there's just grace, you just do whatever you want to. God will understand. No, the truth's not with that. So we need to marry truth and grace. And when we bring truth and grace, that's when the kingdom of God prospers in the word of God because we are living epistles known and read of all men when we represent the king of kings and the Lord of lords because we understand that people need grace the way we need grace. They need the truth because we have the truth. We stand up for what we know is right and we will not compromise, but we're not going to hammer the truth down people's throat without grace. Jonah didn't get it. But we get Jonah because he finally got it. That's all I got to say about that. Lord, bless your people today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for helping us. Thank you for the example of Jonah. Uh, Lord, help us to, uh, <coughs> to understand you and your perspective and how much you love people that that hurt us, how much you love people that, that hate us, how much you love people that abuse us. Help us, Lord, to do for other people what you've done for us, to look beyond their faults and see what they need and to be able to give them what they need and not what they deserve. I'd like for you to keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed for just a second. This morning, if you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior, the greatest gift that you can give God is yourself. And the greatest gift that you can give yourself is God. So this morning, if you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior, the first step in knowing God is accepting him and inviting him to come into your life. He will not make you serve him. That is not part of his character. He will never make you accept him as your Lord and Savior. God has made it possible for you to make a choice to choose life. So this morning, if you've never accepted him as your Savior, maybe if you have, you just haven't been living for him, simply by raising your hand, say, Preacher, I need Jesus in my heart, and I need him in my life, and I want to accept him as my personal Savior. Lift your hand up high. We want to put a Bible in your hand. Anybody, Preacher, that's me. Yep, thank you. Thank you. Leave your hand up till we get a Bible in Anybody else, Preacher, that's me. Don't be ashamed. It's the greatest gift known to mankind. It's the greatest gift. Anybody else? Slip your hand up high so I can see it. Amen. Just wanted to raise your hand. Sir, would you look up at me? Would you mind coming up and let me pray with you? Man, I'll be honored. I'm so proud of you. I love you. How are you? Good. I love you. It's the greatest thing you could ever do. You good? What I want to do, I want to pray with you, okay? We're going to help, we're going to help you pray. The Bible says, if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we'll be saved. I want to pray with you. Just repeat after me. Y'all help us. Just say, dear Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Lord, I am a sinner.
please forgive me. I invite you into my heart. I invite you into my life. From this day forward, I give my life to you. Help me to read my Bible, to pray, show up for church, and get baptized. I love you, Jesus. Teach me to love you more. In Jesus' name, amen. Now look here. God's with you. Doesn't mean you'll be perfect. But let me tell you, you're going to have a choice when you walk out of here. When you mess up, you'll either run to him or you'll run away from him. You'll either get better or you'll get worse. You know what I'm saying? You have to work. You're, I can tell you, you're just a working man, aren't you? You know how to work, don't you? So like this is the most important thing you can work at, right? Because this is like eternity. Work at this like you work your job. Be diligent. Show up on time. Worship when you're here. Put God first in your life. You'll never be the same. Had a deal? I love you. Hey, go visit this guy for just a second. Stand with me, please. Hallelujah. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. That's the one word that is a universal word that every language says in the same word as hallelujah across the board around the world. When we say hallelujah, everybody in the world, in their language, it's hallelujah. Isn't that cool? Hallelujah. <laughs> so what happens is that the Holy Spirit convicts us. Like the Holy Spirit convicted me of, of not having enough grace. And throughout this message, I dare say that we've all been convicted in one way or another. Would that be fair to say? So if you've been convicted, I'd like to pray for you. And I'd like to have for you to raise your hands. And if you haven't been convicted, I want you to raise your hands too, because I'm going to pray for you too that you get convicted. Okay? Is that fair enough? <laughs> Let me pray for you. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for loving us. Thank you for your many blessings. Today we honor you. We acknowledge you in our ways, oh God. Lord, may we appreciate the grace that you've given us. May we appreciate the truth of the word of God. Lord, so that the, the truth and the grace that you put in us, we can give it out to other people. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you are living and moving and breathing through us, oh God. We thank you, Lord, that our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, that you teach us all things. I pray for wisdom for everybody that's got their hands up right now, that you would speak wisdom into us, oh God, that your word would be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, that we would let our light so shine before men that they might see our good works and glorify the Father which is in heaven. Thank you, Lord, for the victory that overcomes the world, our faith, and we choose to walk by faith. We are people of faith, and we thank you, Lord, for that, and we love you, and we expect great things out of our lives because you are with us, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, and the church said, amen. amen. God bless y'all. We love you. Got a prayer team up here if you need special prayer. Love to have you. God bless you. Mm -hmm.